Here's one of your big headlines of the day. They finally came out with that report on uh, old James Comey and how he got everything started with his memo he leaked to his buddy who went who took it to the New York Times so that he could create the whole Trump-Russia narrative thing, obstruction of justice thing, uh, that Comey was really into. And he created that story, and it overtook a lot of uh, this nation's media for two years. And the FBI said, you shouldn't do that. That's a terrible thing to do. Right. But we're not going to charge you with anything. Right. You violated all kinds of rules. That was awful. What if everybody did that? It would destroy the FBI, but we're going like, to give you a pass. For well, that. and you as the head guy, it's especially horrific that you did that. But, you know, well, let's not get hung up on this. No charges. So Okay, there well, you go. More on that later. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things. Number one, a little later in the hour, we'll get to um, the new California sex education guidelines for fourth through sixth graders. The stuff they're teaching 10-year-olds, y- y- you're not going to believe it. I don't want to hear and it. And I'm not a Puritan on this stuff. I have a fourth grader. I- I'm a little more, you know, I don't know what you'd call it. I'm I'm a little more permissive on this stuff than I think a lot of you are, but it- you're not going to friggin' believe it. And uh, listen, if you can't stay tuned, check out the podcast later. Because you're not going to believe it. Stay tuned. I'm going to give you the New York Times headline from the story they were just talking about. A Justice Department watchdog report sharply criticizes the ex-FBI director James Comey for leaking memos about his interaction with President Trump. Yep. So that's if you, a good headline. If you break the rules, you get sharply criticized. Yeah, that's got to be hurtful. Oh, though. boy, I hope he's okay. Oh, he's wounded. I'll bet he's wounded. I hope he's okay. Somebody's check on him. I'll bet he's down. Oh, I got those cable news rankings. I'm looking at them. You know who nobody is watching is some of those business shows or your lesser known cable shows. There are seriously, there are way more people listen to this this show on our podcast and whatever else than famous cable TV people. Yeah, give me a big name that and there and how many people watch. Well, I'm not sure. I've got the raw humans. Hmm. The font is really small. Um, okay, so that's uh, times a hundred thousand, uh, or times uh, so like seventeen thousand people watch Fox Business News in the morning. Seventeen thousand the whole correctly, country. Yeah, that's probably about right. Yeah, and then I got like uh, uh, Maria Bartiromo on the Fox Business. Uh, about fifty-five thousand people um, watch that. Um, you know, yeah, that's something. Yeah. Uh, the outsized influence of being on TV. Yeah, no kidding. So, Ken Carson born with straight teeth instead of these snaggled, bent teeth of mine. So, therapists now have to figure out astrology, tarot, and psychedelics because of the patients that they're dealing with on a on a regular basis. Wow. Yeah. Tarot. They really give this example of a guy named Jonathan Kaplan. He's a clinical psychologist in New York. And he noticed that more and more of his clients started referring to Mercury being in retrograde. I had no idea what that was, so I clicked on the link and went to the story about how in the when Mercury's orbiting the sun, at a certain period it's in retrograde, that's part of the orbit, and there are a bunch of people b- believe that during that period of time you should not, like, buy a house or have a kid oh, or clearly. all kinds of different things. What with Mercury in retrograde? Or that could ex- be a fool. That could explain your depression or, you know, why your sex life has gone in the toilet or whatever. Boy, people are soft heads. This clinical psychology say his clients were bunches of them were bringing up Mercury being in retrograde. Wow. He said I'm not familiar with cosmic cycles. 
Yeah. My specialty is cognitive behavioral therapy. Which is great. Nor do I try to be, but I want to understand what this means to a person and how it influences their understanding of the world. That makes sense. How is okay. his response not, oh, I think I figured it out. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Quit crying, Jack Wagon. I understand what he's saying. If you believe this stuff, I need to figure out how that's affecting you to help you with your depression. Yes. Well, or yeah. whatever problem you well, have. You know, I'm, but I'm, I like Sean's idea. Oh, I see your problem. You're a moron. <laughs> right. you, fall yeah. for this, you fall for all this crap. Let's work on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm familiar how uh, with how people who have various emotional problems, they cling to things that give them assurance that it's all going to be okay. And so they think, yeah, I'm 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 really wrestling with some serious ass right now. But as soon as Mercury gets out of retrograde, things will be better, wow. and that gets them through the day. Which obviously is like, you know, it's you're you're taking a placebo instead of the the medicine that'll really help you. Alternative treatments, rituals, and metaphysical organizing principles loom large in popular culture. Astrology and tarot cards have permeated apps and social media. That's why it's growing. It's on your smartphone. Sound baths and other forms of energy medicine. There's finger there's finger quotes around all these words. Sound I don't know, baths? I don't know what these things are. Sound baths and other forms of energy medicine yes. appear not only in healing centers, but also in hospitals. A lot of things in psychology were once considered edgy and alternative, says this clinical psychologist. I'm not teaching it, but I'm not saying you can't bring it into this room. That would be dis this would be that would be disempowering and arrogant. I think sometimes you need to be disempowering. Yeah. The tarot cards have no influence over your life. Right. They're I'm going meaningless. To, I'm trying to disempower you from yes. thinking they do. Yes, I'm trying to disempower the, the power of the tarot cards, please. You know, I don't even know what a sound bath is. Somebody look that up, would you? But, I mean, if you're stressed and you sit there listening to, like, the sound of rainfall and birds chirping and it de-stresses you, great, super, that works, good for you. Tarot cards don't. More and more people are putting their trust and their money into these practices, which they view as pathways to enlightenment. The wellness market, which encompasses fitness, skin care, travel, and nutrition, is valued now at $4.2 trillion. $4.2 trillion. Holy Never God. mind, I'm getting in. A sound Forget bath. everything I said before. <laughs> sound bath is a meditation class that also has ambient sounds being played while you're doing Why it. And, I and, get... and we should be listening to them right now because, as I understand it, it uh, they're created by a variety of instruments, including tuning forks, gongs, shrewdy boxes, uh, Himalayan and crystal singing bowls, chimes, and voice. Ooh, la, 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 la. <laughs> Why haven't I gotten some shiny rocks in a turban and profited from you numbskulls? That's what I'm wondering. I want a shrewdy box for Christmas. (laughs) Uh, What does that mean for therapists? The old standbys of self-knowledge and personal growth. Well, they're hearing about uh, some of this new age stuff and realizing they have to go, they have to work with what they've got. People coming in that are into this stuff. Oh yeah, you got to understand what it is, I suppose, and... And plus, you know, with all due respect to your uh, counseling method, which I find refreshingly blunt, <laughs> you do kind of have to meet people halfway if you're going to help them. In Los, in Los Angeles, the wellness capital of the world, they call it, and that's probably true. <laughs> well, yeah. And or jivey bullets. Plant medicine. Capital of the world. Plant medicine, shamans, astrology, Reiki, and sound baths come up frequently in therapist sessions. You know, listening to soothing, uh, semi-hypnotic musical tones, there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, my friends. 
this actually has a physical effect on me. It's amazing. And what effect is that? Relaxing. Sure. It's nice. I'm um, calmed. I'm soothed. In Los Angeles. You're trying to hey, make hey, me hey, mad hey, right now. Hey, Can't. hey. You're not soothing me. The sound bad is. Pipe down. In Los Angeles, you used to hear people say, my therapist says. Now it's much more common to hear my shaman says. What's a shaman? shaman? What's a shaman? It's a, it's a priestess, a, a, a medicine man. Medicine. Sort of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's that sort of, some mystical elder type. Do they wear a turban? They can if they'd like. <laughs> Picture it more with robes than a turban? Listen, it's, it's optional. Listen to Let's this. Let's not get caught up on the headgear. Listen to this and tell me if or you're... a trucker's cap if they want. Yeah. Listen to this and tell me if you're surprised. Okay. I'm not going to a shaman with a trucker's cap. Well, you're a bigot. <laughs> according, to the, according to the therapists who were interviewed by the New York Times, the most common sort of patient to bring up these approaches in general tend to be young, affluent females. Well, there is a shock. Shocking! You're a 20-year-old go-to-a-fancy-college chick, and you're in there talking about your tarot cards and your whatever. Your shaman with their trucker's hat, maybe. Wow. Your retrograde Saturns. You probably have your dog with you, your comfort dog. Comfort weasel. That'd be a good name for a band. Fresh from your comfort conference. Yeah, exactly. 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 Wow. College chicks. (laughs) That's what it is. Trying not to (laughs) shout at your water. Uh, wow. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Wealthy young woman. Uh, it's funny. There's got to be. I'll bet there's some authoritative book somewhere on why uh, young gals with with money are nuts. Probably because they don't have babies or well, that'd be a lot of it. You're man. When, yeah, you're you're everything in your body is screaming to be focused just on that. You take that away. That's a lot of empty time and space. Right, right, right. Well, we don't have too much empty time and space this half hour because we're talking to Lan He Chen, a fabulous uh, political commentator and and thinker, experienced veteran of many campaigns. We'll go over Christy. Uh, what's her name? Kristen Gillibrand? We'll go over her candidacy now that it's over. Autopsy? No, 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 we won't. No, we won't. <laughs> no, we won't. But uh, well, something next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Every time I hear this song, the rest of my life, thanks for ruining it for me. Al and Tipper Gore and Bill and Hillary Clinton. This was their song when they were running for president. I can just, I can just picture them when they won the presidency and the nomination on stage dancing around to this song. Perfectly good song I like. Ruined. By Al and Tipper Gore dancing to it. They're one of their many sins. Uh, please welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show, one of our faves in years, Lanhee Chen, uh, David and Diane Steffi Research Fellow at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies. Uh, in, at Stanford University, and a recent guest on uh, Special Port with Brett Bear. Awesome. In which he acquitted himself quite beautifully, Lon He. How'd you like that experience? Well, thank you. Oh, yes. Thank you. I, I, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good show. It's a good show. It's a great and, show. Uh, and, you know, Brett's a, Brett's a very good guy, so uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, and it's a serious news show. And uh, anyway, I'd be nervous as hell to be on that panel, but you're you're an eminent man. You handled it well, so well done. Uh, so, listen, a lot of national polls in the news recently, including the one outlier that freaked people out briefly. But uh, is there any point in national polls when that's not how we pick candidates in the primary system? 
Boy, that's a great question um, because, it, it, and it's not something that a lot of media talk about. You know, they spend a lot of time hyperventilating over these national polls and what each one means. But the, the polls that matter are, are the ones in the early states, like Iowa and New Hampshire and Nevada. Uh, obviously, those polls don't tend to come out until we get a little closer to those to those uh, elections. And there are a few polls in those states, like, for example, in Iowa, the Des Moines Register poll is considered the gold standard, and that's the one we really ought to pay attention to. But it's a great point. The national polls at this point of the campaign are relatively meaningless. They're name ID polls, you know, they're polls about who knows who. And that's why, I, you know, my argument for why Biden, I think, is still doing relatively well is because, look, people know who he is. He's a known commodity. He's got a little bit of that Obama halo effect around him for Democratic primary voters, and that's why he continues to do relatively well. I have one question that I'm personally interested in the answer, and I hope the listeners are too, because we've been discussing this. We'll poll them. Do Bernie and Elizabeth occupy the same territory enough that if one of them gets out, the other one gets most of their supporters? As in Biden usually has those two added together. And it seems like if one of them got out, you'd have a tie between either Bernie and Biden or Elizabeth and Biden. Yeah, that's the argument I've been making. I've been saying that really for Biden, the worrisome fact is that you've got a relatively high percentage of Democrats who affiliate with either Warren or Biden. Let's call it the far left of the party. So, you know, the the poll where Biden was uh, was in trouble earlier this week that came out from Monmouth University had essentially Warren plus uh, Sanders at 40 percent and had Biden somewhere around 20 percent. And, and so while I think it's the case that the vast majority of Bernie's support would go to Elizabeth Warren and probably vice versa, uh, it's probably not all of them. But it's enough that if I were the Biden campaign or if I were any other candidate trying to run a more moderate strategy in the Democratic Party, I would be concerned about how big that number is because that block is clearly the ascendant block within the Democratic Party. But And, and when you start to look at it, it's yeah, it's, it's a big number. But – the way they do things, as we saw with Trump, all you got to do is beat the rest of the people. Doesn't you, Your number doesn't have to be that big as long as you beat everybody else if everybody stays in the race. So is there going to be a lot of pressure on either Bernie or Elizabeth to get out? Otherwise, Biden bests them both because they split the they, they split their number. So that I, I think there will be. But the interesting question is who applies pressure to who and, and who decides to bow out so far. If you'll observe from the debate, by, uh, uh, Warren and Sanders have been very friendly with each other. They haven't attacked each other. They've been very supportive on the campaign trail. They've barely, if at all, kind of uh, hit each other. And, and, and so at some point in the campaign, as the field narrows, and let's presume that Biden and Warren and Sanders are in there for at least the you know next couple of months, which I think is true. I think Bernie and Warren have some staying power, and I think Biden does too. At some point, there's going to have to be an ego matchup. And someone is going to have to say, look, okay, fine, it's, it's pretty clear that my, you know, this is not my time. And the question is, do you see Bernie Sanders stepping aside? Do you no. see Elizabeth Warren stepping no. aside? Right now, I don't see either of them no. stepping aside. So then what do they do? Hey, you know, let, what do they do? let me pipe in with the latest Des Moines Register poll um, of the, uh, the Dems. Uh, Biden has 24%. Um, Bernie is in second with 16%. And Warren, really in a tie, at 15%. That adds up to 31% of likely caucus goers um, to Biden's 24. Now, that doesn't mean there's no chance one of them drops out, so that won't happen. But I wonder if, you know how Alani, the the media is, number one, stupid. And number two, you can win (laughs) Iowa by a tenth of a point. 
or even be Rick Santorum and actually win, but nobody talks about it because they misfigured. But the media will scream, uh, you know, uh, Biden wins Iowa, Biden wins Iowa, Iowa, Biden with momentum, blah, blah, blah. He won by a tenth of a point, and we're about to have the other votes. Will that be the case if you got Liz and the old guy, uh, Bernie, with a combined 31% to Biden's 24 yeah, I mean, it, it, you don't have to win by much. You just have to have to be able to claim that you won. And remember that in past elections, the story in Iowa has been not necessarily who wins, but who finishes second or who demonstrates momentum or who finishes better than expected. So there could be a lot of different narratives coming out of Iowa. And, you know, the, the results you mentioned there, you know, Biden, you know, with maybe, what was it, a five or six point lead? Yeah, barely uh, have 30 seconds, by the way. Yeah, I mean, that's not very much given the margin of error of that poll. That poll probably had margin of error of four or five points. So we'll have to see. But the Iowa contest, in my mind, is more important this cycle than in any previous Democratic cycle because the field's so big and it's so crowded on that progressive left. So we'll have to see what happens. That's interesting. Yeah, indeed. Lonnie Chen of the Hoover Institution, Stanford University, uh, always enlightening. Uh, Sorry for the short uh, chat today, but we're a little behind. But thanks a million. Good to talk. Thanks. Thank you. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, former FBI Director James Comey has just responded to the DOJ report. Yes. He violated policy. Are they going to hang him? We Fantastic. need to clarify that. Everybody wants Comey's response because we all give a crap what he has to say. Oh, hey, quick note, Lon He Chen, who we just talked to, he's got a new edition of his podcast, Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen, in which, and this has got to be uh, racy and, and sexy and exciting, he uh, chats with the new Congressional Budget Office Director, Phil Swagel. Are they going to talk about how nobody cares about a budget? Probably. <laughs> um, news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, the Justice Department's not going to be prosecuting former FBI Director James Comey for his handling of personal memos that he wrote about one-on-one conversations so, with President so Trump. So he will not be hanged? Not be hanged. All right. No. We've clarified those reports. An internal report says <laughs> Comey did violate official policy after giving portions of the memos to a friend who then released them to the New York Times. The internal report found no evidence that Comey leaked any classified information from the memos. Comey's responding this morning, tweeting out, I don't need a public apology from those who defame me, but a quick message Oh, my God! Oh, my God! He's outdone himself. Oh, my God! He would have responded earlier, but it was hard getting cell reception in the Japanese tea garden that he was meditating in. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Comey tweeting his response, I don't need a public apology from those who defame me, but a quick message with a sorry we lied about you would be nice. Wow, he is unbelievable. Where the hell did that come from? So is the king of that. The DOG comes out and says, you broke all... All kinds of rules. The FBI would be destroyed if everybody followed the rules the way you follow the rules. I don't need a public apology. Just, uh, just a uh, a nod that you were all wrong is fine. Wow, that's it's kind of Trumpian. It is and very that, Trumpian. He thinks the issue is the exaggerations or reports or whatever, not what he did. And he made it about him. Right. He, even if even if what he just said were accurate, which it's not. Right. That that anybody should apologize right. for anything. Uh, he didn't need to make it. Uh, it's all a battle about him, right? And how, what people thought of him. He could look at the bigger picture, but he he did. That's very Trumpian. Maybe, like, that, maybe that's what the what the friction is between the, those two. Maybe they look at the world the same way. Comey sees himself as the savior of everything all the time, right? 
It's Melissa McCarthy as Sean Spicer. I'm here to offer an apology from you to me. <laughs> and that Wait, apology no. is not accepted. The OIG <laughs> said you're, you broke the... If everybody... You'd ruin the FBI. You're the leader of it. It's especially bad, but it, uh, we're apologizing to you. Uh, okay, sorry. That's hilarious. Wow. That was quite something. Wow. And on top of that, we've got this just coming in. Satellite images appear to show the smoking remains of a rocket at an Iranian space center that was to carry out a U.S.-criticized satellite launch. <laughs> the satellite pictures were taken today. They show black smoke and part of a painted launch pad apparently scorched away. Yeah, that's, that's all the information. That's shame there. That's all the information Ayatollah. we have right <laughs> now on yeah, that. Bad stuff happens all the time. Sorry, sorry that went wrong. I wonder if maybe your computer programming was a little funky, huh? Well, what if somebody got in there, huh? Along those lines, the U.S. <laughs> and Israel stepping up their attacks on Iran in cyberspace and on the ground. The New York Times reporting senior American officials say the U.S. launched a cyber attack against Iran in June. They knocked out a database used by Iran's paramilitary arm to plot attacks against oil tankers. Iran reportedly still trying to recover the information that was lost and restart some of the damaged computers. Got to be kind of frustrating, huh? You can't get your rockets in the air. Yeah, yeah. Your rocket can't get as high as like a pop-up in a Major League Baseball game. They'd say, but I, I tell you what you do. Why don't you build another rocket and then launch that one, too? We'll see how that one goes, huh? <laughs> so after Iran shot down the drone <laughs> yeah. and then Trump decided not to do anything Carry militarily, yep. we did this. Yeah. And, um, and the New York Times has seen fit to uh, release national secrets, apparently. Yeah, and who knows if that's on purpose or not. Could it's be. always always hard to tell. Could be. Meanwhile, we've got other reports indicating... You know what would be a great, uh, a great uh, thing to do, great strategy, and I'm sure it happens all the time, is if, uh, for instance, that, that, uh, that rocket yeah. Yeah. going yeah. sideways, blown up. We didn't do anything to it, or its software or whatever. But we leak stories in the New York Times, the always compliant New York Times, saying, oh, yeah, we got in there and messed with their software. So they go chasing their tails for the next couple of years, wondering, wait, I'm not seeing any malware in here. Look again! Hey, back to James Comey. I'm looking yeah. at the New York Times, which, of course, is on Comey's side, not Trump's side. Right. And even their headline says, the uh, inspector general was highly critical of the former FBI director's actions. So why are we apologizing to you? You're right. Sorry, Big Jim. Uh, what's the reasoning again? Huh? Meanwhile, other reports are indicating that Israel's launched a series of attacks across the Middle East against Iran in recent weeks to prevent the Iranians from giving their allies new high-tech weapons. They're going after Iran's attempts to build an overland armed supply line that would run through Iran and northern Syria to Lebanon. The attacks representing a new escalation in what has so far been a shadow war between Iran and Israel. And on this note, professional driver and former uh, Mythbusters TV host Jesse Combs died in a crash in Oregon's Alvoid Desert while trying to break a speed record. She's 39 years old. She died earlier in the week while racing in a dry lake bed in that desert. She uh, held the title of the fastest woman on four wheels. She was trying to break her own record. She set in 2013 with a top speed of 440 miles an hour, That's according to her website. Pretty fast. Yep. Um, uh, there is an, a bit of an assumption, at least for us viewers, I guess, that these things never go wrong. That people go out and set new records, and it always works out fine. But every once in a while, it doesn't. can't imagine driving in a wheeled vehicle that fast. 
Uh, I, she must have started on Mythbusters after I stopped watching. My kids were big or something like that. I don't know her act, but anyway, too bad. Anyway, in an Instagram post on Sunday before this happened about her hopes of breaking the record, Combs wrote, People say I'm crazy. I say thank you. Anyway, she uh, did not make that run. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Back to James Comey again. The New York Times goes on to say uh, the inspector general accused Comey of, quote, setting a dangerous example for officials with access to government secrets. And why are we apologizing to you? Because you set a dangerous example? Because somebody somewhere said something that turned out not to be true. So your bottom line, your sole bottom line is you owe me an apology. (laughs) Come again. That's uh, that's something. I don't want you to do this next segment because I don't want to hear it. Because I got a fourth grader and I don't want I don't want my fourth grader to have to. I don't want to I don't want to be there yet. I, I, I say this not for the purposes of drama or entertainment or anything. I'm serious. We're going to tell you about California's new sex ed guidelines. That starts with fourth graders. You can't let your kids listen to this next segment. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, seriously, don't. Well, that's next. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty Show. So there still is in the days and, or weeks to come, or maybe this afternoon, I don't know, the uh, the Inspector General is going to release their report on uh, Strzok and Page and their texts and, and what trouble they're in. Oh, yeah, no, the whole origin of the Carter Page. Uh, um, well, that's related, obviously. Right, and the how Carter big, Page warrant, that's the word I was looking And for. how big the other FBI director, uh, uh, McCabe, how big a trouble he is in or isn't. Right. That's coming out at some point. Yeah, yeah, we shall see. And then maybe we'll be done with this whole thing. Then maybe it's over, over. It'll have a half-life online, but it'll be easier to ignore. So, Calunicornia, which is getting crazier and crazier, is working very, very hard to indoctrinate kids into far-left beliefs. We've talked about some of the political stuff, the ethnic studies stuff, the... uh, um, uh, white supremacy, capitalism is a tool of white supremacy stuff. I mean, it's so far out there. You'd think it was a Marxist college professor at some, obs- you know, Evergreen College in, in Washington State. But it's being taught to school children in California. Well, the new sex ed curriculum is also being examined. And there was a small victory recently. You know, I'll, I'm, I'll quote one of our correspondents. Um who uh, was part of a meeting with a school board and the Board of Education and the rest of it about what they're including. Um, and they got some stuff removed, um, but I'm quoting now his note. This small victory was overshadowed by new guideline textbook publishers will use over the next decade to create curriculum just like the books the board removed. Despite the removal of some of these uh, some of the offensive books, the framework still includes recommended books with similar content. So some of this stuff they dropped the specific book that has them, 
but adopted others of the same sort or are going to in the future. Honest to God, this stuff is being taught to 4th, 5th, 6th graders, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, 10-year-old children. And it is it will be the most sexually explicit uh, stuff that's ever happened on the Armstrong and Getty show. Ever. And and we're we're a little naughty compared to a lot of talk radio shows. More so than Clark Howard, for instance. <laughs> for instance. I, I can't even read this. This is for the freaking kids. Well, Jack, you tell me. Should I read it verbatim, keeping in mind it's the stuff for the kids? Well, yeah. Or well, no? You should be able to, obviously. I mean, we're, we're a business. And, if, and we, if we so <laughs> offend you that we go out of business... You know, good for us, we'll get a medal, but I'd prefer to have a job. But if it would violate FCC regulations to say it on the radio, how can it be taught to a fourth grader? That's a hell of a good question. Here's one of the uh, things. Be safe with sex toys. Why is my fourth grader hearing about sex toys? And again, folks, this is going to get a little objectionable, but this is honest to God what a state, the biggest state, you know what, you know what, is going to teach 10-year-olds. You know what my fourth grader is going to say when you say, when you say, be safe with sex toys? He's going to say, what's a sex toy? Well, they're going to educate him about It's a toy that. you use for sex. What's right. sex? <laughs> yeah, there's a, nice, there's a nice picture of a butt plug in your, your stuff for the little kids. They teach about keeping them clean and knowing the difference between sex toy materials, silicone, glass, um, vinyl, And why is this being taught in school? I mean, what's the theory behind it? Always use a condom when using sex toys. Well, just everybody from straight to gay to trans, whatever, is going to engage in all sorts of crazy sex stuff. And they need how to, they need to learn how to do it safely in their elementary school. And that's something the school system should do? Right. Only use toys that are flared at the bottom for anal sex. This way it won't get stuck. If you don't have the time or money to buy sex toys, cucumbers, carrots, and bananas with the peel make great dildos. Just remember to use a condom. Now, this can't be real. It is real. This can't be real. I'm telling you. Uh, Let's see. That's, That's exhibit one of six. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Here's an entire uh, couple of pages on lube, lubricant, and uh, and the different lubes to use for different body openings. Why would this be the why would this be the government's job at any age to talk about this stuff, even if they're 17 year olds and a a senior in high school? Why is that the government's job as part of educating people? Well, and listen, this is straight out of the podcast we did yesterday with uh, Tim Lawyer and, and Craig Gottwalls. Uh, talking about Heaven on Earth, the book about the history of socialism, which is terrific and interesting, and we talked about it for a long time, and I think you'll like the podcast. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. But one of the the main tenets of uh, socialist societies is that raising children be taken away from families and given to the state. Because they don't do it right. Parents don't do it right. We'll do it right. Otherwise, you can't indoctrinate the kids into your belief system quickly enough. Um, And so it's... And I remember hearing about that in college and being horrified, but... So here's all sorts of stuff on lube and uh, how you can use saliva if you don't have time to get lube. Here's uh, bondage and restraint. What is it? How do I do it? I thought the original uh, arguments over sex ed in schools was um, between people who didn't want anything about sex taught in schools at all, which I I can understand your argument. Whether or not that's the government's role is a decent argument to get into. But then it was was the, 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 the winning argument. 
in a lot of schools was we're trying to keep people from getting pregnant, right. 16-year-olds or whatever. They need to know what's going on here. Right. But a, none of this a stuff, it's just the biological realities, uh, which is science, and B, right, we don't want none girls this, to get knocked up. This is all pleasure stuff right. that you're right. talking about. Yeah, so there's the bondage, discipline, there's sensation play, kinky sex, role-playing, etc., um, let's see. Here's uh, about sexual fantasies. This and is masturbation. not the role of government. I don't care if it's a senior in high school. It's not the role of government to teach uh, my kid this. Here's uh, with some lovely pictures uh, using dental dams to give oral. Um, let's see. And this one is uh, body fluid or blood play. You uh, plus sex toys and how to use them and that sort of thing. So that is. Um, that's what they're going to teach. What percentage kids. of even Californians think that's a good idea? If you put it to a vote, you, your utopias, which is one kind of socialist, or your YouTube, you people are too stupid. So we're going to do it for you. We're going to do it to you, crowd. Um, they don't care. They do not care what percentage of Californians is smart and enlightened enough to understand that this is the way to do it. Um, the sign-off from, I think he said okay to use his name. It's a common enough name. Um, from listener Steve is hilarious, um, but tragic. KFT, GABJs, keep teaching fourth graders about blowjobs. Listener Steve. Uh, I, I'm astounded by between the political, racial stuff, which is straight out of a radical professor at a radical college being taught to the little kids, to the sexual stuff, I'm so flabbergasted. I'm not sure how to react. I mean, I, it's, uh, again, to the Armstrong and Getty principle, if somebody is doing something so insane that you think, I can't re- reason with you. You're too crazy. Well, this is one of those things. How how Somebody who wants to no, have no, a, a no. unit about sex toys and what v- v- produce you can use to substitute to elementary schoolers. How do you reason with that? Well, no, no yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. The sort of person that thinks that's okay, there's no point in us having a discussion at all or even attempting. To. Right, exactly. We're, right. We're so far apart. Yeah. It's just... Astounding. It's weird. Yes, Michael. I remember in the fifth grade, it was all about how babies are made, and it was about hygiene. Right. Using deodorant. And that was it. Oh, they get into all the specific parts and the pleasures you can achieve with them. I mean, it's, uh, you know, frankly, uh, I hope a a generation of women will be better pleased by their men because they go into detail. On, you know, how to how to uh, give a woman pleasant feelings well, through sex, Again, Jack. my personal belief is this is not the government's role, even if they're seniors in high school. That's so but, self-evident. I can't believe you have to say it out loud. But why why, why are you teaching fourth graders about... you got to get them young. ...sexual pleasure? you got to get them before they and their buddies start experimenting with sex toys and or vegetables, and they do it wrong. In elementary school, you've got to teach them that. Meanwhile, while you're teaching kindergartners that, listen, people call you a boy, but you might not be a boy. Start thinking about whether you're a boy or not. These are five- and six-year-olds being indoctrinated by the state. I wonder if there's any chance that, you know, all these studies we've seen where people are having sex later and less as opposed to the other way around. I wonder if people are getting all this stuff in school and thinking, this all just sounds too weird and complicated. I'm just... I'm out. <laughs> right. And or as a kid thinking that is so gross. Yeah, exactly. Right. I don't maybe they're yeah, maybe they're helping in that way, but 
I tell you what, take a moment to contemplate not only this idea being had here. Why don't we teach 10, 11 year olds this stuff? Somebody didn't even didn't just have that idea and they didn't just say it out loud. But they got the majority of the education gurus in a progressive state to say, we agree, let's do it. And then work on the curriculum probably for months or right. years. Right. Uh, and, and everybody's still on board. We're still on board with teaching uh, 10-year-olds about right. all this stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a good idea. 10-year-olds it, need to know about dildos. And then uh, textbook manufacturers saying, you want us to say what? And you want pictures of the stuff? That's by the way, you're that's, kidding. That's the first time I've ever said that word on the radio. I would never say it in front of my kids, and, yeah. but the teachers are going to say it in front of my kids. Yeah. And and listen, one of the reasons I decided to go ahead with it because I understand it's not what we usually do, and and won't do it again or much, is that if we were to soft pedal it to voters and parents on the show, I think we would be doing a, a terrible disservice to the audience. You know, I uh, meet me in real life. I say nasty stuff all the time, but I took no very true. I took no pleasure in doing it. It wasn't fun and naughty. It's it's disgusting to me given the context. Yeah, that's uh, I don't even know what to do with this information. I know, I know. 